you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. God's solemn praise in the house right now. Would you do that? Would you just lift your hands and just let your praise out? Let your heart speak to heaven right now. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm glad you're here today. As I said a few moments ago, I feel that God put a word in my spirit. He actually spoke to me on Friday. And then yesterday, I felt that he accented what he is wanting to do. Sometimes in pastoring and leading a church, it's difficult to know what the next step is. Sometimes in life, it's difficult to know what the next step is. And it makes it so much easier when God just speaks a word and you know what the next move is. And I feel that God has spoken into my spirit, and I am thankful for that because I've needed that for some time. And I hope today that I can convey what God has put in me. And I hope that when I convey what God has put in me, I I hope that you receive what God has put in me. Before I get started today, I want to say this for some in the room. This is going to be groundbreaking. What I'm going to talk about today is going to be something that you have never heard in your life. It's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to be the first time you ever hear anybody talk about some of the things I'm going to talk about today. For others, you know about it, you've heard about it, maybe even have been part of it, but maybe it's been a while. And God is going to urge you and nudge you to move forward. And specifically, our youth, young adults that are here in this room this morning, I feel that what I'm going to speak today could be centrally pivotal on your response 
in how you respond to what God is wanting to do now and into the future. Perhaps what we're going to talk about today is not a ministry of the church. It's not just a function of the church. It is the central, central most important thing in the church. And it is our connection and our communication with the Lord Jesus Christ through prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that you can learn. Prayer. Acts chapter 1. And when they therefore had come, verse number 6, Acts 1, verse number 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while he beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him in their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. By the way, they, they weren't just men, they're angels. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Verse 12. Then they returned, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon, Zealots, and Judas the brother of James. Verse 14. I want you to read this with me. They're going to put it on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, I want you to read verse 14, this first phrase with me. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. By the help of the Lord today, I want to preach a word into your spirit. And I want to talk to you about a very, very important aspect of your Christian walk. And it is your prayer life. But more than just your prayer life, I want to talk about the prayer events in your life. And for the sake of not having a better sermon title, I don't know that prayer require, requires a fancy sermon title. But I'm just going to preach it like this today. I know what prayer can do. 
I know what prayer can do. If it's appropriate to link up with somebody next to you, link up with them right now. And I want you to take about the next 45 seconds and I want you to talk to the Lord in prayer right now and ask his anointing to be upon the word. Let's talk to the Lord here for a moment. Lord, we need you this morning. Lord, we need you. Oh, God, we need you. Come on, just entertain his presence right now. Some of you know what to do. You're just not doing it. You're standing there like you have no earthly idea how to pray. Some may not know how, but some of you know how to touch heaven. I need you to touch heaven right now. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. How many of you know what that means? Wow. Need to do a little more teaching work. Pentecost Sunday is the Sunday that we... It's 50 days after Easter. It is very important in the church and in church history. I'll save it for next week. I'll tell you all about Pentecost Sunday next week. But it is when the Holy Ghost was poured out. Now, is it the exact date? I'm sure it's not. The calendars simply are not even operating in the same arena. But it is recognized following Easter. There's a series of events leading up to Easter, the death, the burial, leading up to the resurrection. Following the resurrection, our text matches the narrative of the sequence of events that would have occurred in chronological order as we have lived them out over the last few weeks. This is what makes today very important, although it is not a recognizable Sunday on the Christian calendar, but I'm going to tell you why today is important and why I believe that God quickened my thoughts and mind to preach what I'm preaching today. This Sunday marks the time after the resurrection, Easter, and the ascension, which we just read about as Jesus ascends up into heaven, as we recognized earlier this week, I think on our calendar it was May the 3rd that they recognized, call it the Day of Ascension. Today would be the Sunday after, but yet before the fulfillment of Pentecost. So this is the Sunday between the recognizable, this is the, 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 the time frame between Jesus being resurrected and two angels coming to those that were there that witnessed his ascension and 
Jesus telling them to go into Jerusalem and tarry in the upper room. These two angels show up out of nowhere, which is kind of neat all in the in of itself. They appeared like men in white raiment. They're dressed in white. And they talked to him and said, why are you just standing here gazing up into heaven? I mean, have you never seen a man just stand on earth on the top of a mountain and all of a sudden just start going up? <laughs> why are you looking into heaven like you saw something strange? He calls them back into reality and he tells them, he's coming back again. So you better go and do what he said. And so they go toward that upper room. They gather there in that upper room. Today would be before the fulfillment of Pentecost, which we're going to talk about next Sunday. It's significant because Pentecost was the day that the, it was the fullness of a feast day. So Pentecost is a feast time. I, I, I don't want to preach next week's message because you don't have time for me to preach today's and next week. And so the Holy Ghost, of course, on that fullness of day, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, meaning the day of Pentecost, the last day of the feast, it was when it all came together and aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, everybody came together and it was the one big last shindig before they all had to go home and go back to work. There is about 120 gathered in the upper room and the Holy Ghost fell upon them. But at the time of his ascension, his departure into the clouds, Jesus told his followers, you go and tarry in this upper room. This is where we picked up in our text. So the followers of Jesus then go and gather in the upper room. Go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be filled with power from on high. Verse 14, I had you read out loud with me because I wanted you to pick this up. Of what was going on, there wasn't. They really weren't partying. They weren't. They weren't singing. They, they. They were. The Bible only gives us insight through this one scripture of what happens in that upper room. What's going on during the ten days? Everybody say ten days. That's a while. Ten days. They're gathered. And verse fourteen of Acts chapter one gives us insight into what is happening. These all continue, meaning they stay, with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now Acts chapter 2, just a little further down, gives us a little more insight into what was happening during this time. Acts chapter 2 verse number 1 picks up and says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Verse 14 said of Acts chapter 1 said, these continued with one accord. They liked that word, with one accord. Because that with one accord is speaking of one mindset in complete and total unity and focus on one specific thing. There weren't multiple agendas. There weren't multiple who's going to be in charge. There weren't multiple who's going to get to preach the message. There, there, was one, there was one thing. They wanted to have the Holy Ghost that Jesus told them about fall. It was a unilateral mindset 
and thinking of what they were seeking for. And then there's another word thrown in there. And it's a strange word that we don't use too much. It's called supplication. So we don't know a lot about what happens other than we know about 120 were gathered there. We have the names of a few. We also know that there were people from different parts of the country all round about because it gives us detail into all the different nationalities that were there. And the reason they were there is because they had come for the feast day. They all came to the central point of Jerusalem, heard this thing, and said, hey, we're going to go to this prayer meeting. Now remember, they had a promise. They didn't know on the day of Pentecost what was going to happen. They didn't know that the Holy Ghost was going to come as a sound of a rushing mighty wind. They didn't know that there were going to appear unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that was going to set up on each of them. They didn't know they were going to speak with other tongues. But yet, with all of the unknowns, and, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get across to somebody that's, that's not, i got to have more information kind of people, to tell you that some moves of God do not need too much information. It just needs obedience to what God said we need to do. Go and tarry. So about 120 in one place for 10 days. I mean, I have a lot of questions. Showers? Meals? Toilets? All I know is these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now that word, supplication, I know y'all all already Googled it, you already got it, you already know what it means. But that word just simply means a, an earnest, heartfelt prayer or request. It may come from a yearning, an internal desire that is almost too great to explain supplication. It is a prayer of desperation. For 10 days they were in prayer and then they were in supplication. It means in the rest time they were praying. For the rest of the time they were really praying. Now some of you, you don't, you're just looking at me like what does that mean? But some of you really do know what I'm talking about. In other words, there's those, oh God, send us revival. God, send us revival right before lunch. Jesus, touch everybody, heal everybody. It's done. Amen. Is it lunchtime? Prayer. But when they weren't praying, they were in supplication, desperate prayer. Yearning prayer, seeking prayer, prayer that would move heaven. The only thing that I can find that was happening while they were waiting was that they were earnestly 
in prayer. I'm talking about a red hot Holy Ghost outpouring prayer meeting. I'm not even sure that the American church today, I'm not sure that any of us fully understand what kind of prayer meeting that they actually had. I'm not talking about an hour or a two-hour prayer meeting. I'm not talking about an all-night prayer meeting that really only lasted three hours or a 24-hour prayer chain that's hit and miss. It didn't last an hour or two hours, a day or two days, but they were in the house in prayer and supplication for 10 days before the Holy Ghost was poured out. But don't forget, Jesus Christ himself tells them, go and wait, the Comforter's going to come. It didn't come through another prophet. It came from Jesus telling them it's going to happen. So they already knew it was going to happen. If they knew it was going to happen, why in the world did they go for 10 days and beg God for it to happen when he already said it was going to happen? It's because there are some things that happens in prayer. Like getting yourself ready to receive the promise of what God is wanting to do. I'm not preaching, but I already know what the word is going to be in 11 and this afternoon at 2 o'clock. If you want part 2 of what God is going to say after I'm done here, go ahead and be in 11 and at 2 o'clock because you're going to get part 2 by the person that's coming to preach the word. I already know what he's going to say, and I already know where he's going to go, not because ESPN, but because I know. In other words, we've talked. And he's already shared with me what the Lord has put in his spirit. And he's on target. And it's going to come and it's going to happen. And you need to be there. Young people, if you can be there, get there. I'll drive the church van if I need to. Because God is wanting to do some things. And God has sent some promises into some of your lives. And, he, and, and spoke some things over the church, over your family, over your home. And you're going, God, I just don't understand. I'm going to tell you why that a, a prophecy or what God is wanting to do has not come to pass. It is because we want to pray a 30-minute prayer and expect God to, to fulfill His promise when we still are not ready to receive it. Some things are not going to come until we're in 10 days of prayer and supplication. I know what that kind of prayer can do. Prayer always has and always will be what ushers in the presence of God. You want to know why some services are different from other services? It's because it's the difference between how prayer saturated it is. If we become more practice oriented than prayer oriented, we've gotten things out of balance. I know what prayer can do. It was early evening when I was going down the driveway of the Delphi Avenue building 
before we moved and transitioned here. This was several years ago. I was pulling out the driveway. My day was done and I was leaving, going to have an evening of fun and recreation as I was driving out the driveway. It seems to me in my mind's eye like it was only yesterday as I watched a child run out from the, the house across the street. And as a van was approaching, being driven by an elderly man, there was nothing that he could do to avoid hitting the child. By the time I got my truck in park and jumped out to run into the street, and by the time I realized what was happening, the child was laying motionless, motionless in the middle of the street with severe head trauma. I jumped out of my truck, ran over to the child. There was blood running out of his nose and out of his ears. Most of you know what that means. There was a large gash across his scalp. And it looked absolutely hopeless. A crowd quickly began gathering and someone was trying to locate his parents. I knelt down in the middle of that street on that sunny afternoon. I didn't care who was watching me. I didn't care who was paying attention. But I knelt down and I didn't just sit there and whisper a prayer. But I knelt down. I wasn't worried about what anybody was thinking. But I was desperate for God to perform a miracle in the middle of that street. I stayed on my knees in prayer desperately for that child. Until paramedics and authorities arrived, they rushed to the child and motioned for me to back away. I got up and moved away and stood 10 or 15 feet away as they very quickly checked for vitals, loaded the child up, and away they went with the ambulance. I went down to the hospital to see if I could get any information. They said, unfortunately, due to it being a minor and the nature of the situation, they could not give me any information. So I went back to the church only to spend some time in prayer for that child. A few of you here today may remember that event. The next day, as the Christian school was unfolding, I was walking through the foyer when a lady walks to the front door, began to knock on the locked glass door. I walked down, unlocked the door, opened it, and she stepped in, and I recognized her. It was the mother of the child that had been hit the day before. I braced myself, concerned that she was about to ask me if I would be willing, since I witnessed the accident, to either be testify in court or perhaps to perform the funeral duties. As I was walking through that foyer and saw her unlock the door and walk in, immediately she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she started thanking me. And all she could say, thank you for what you did for my son yesterday. I began to quickly explain. I didn't really do anything. I didn't touch him. I simply prayed. I asked her very quickly, how is he and what is the condition? Expecting the worst. She looked at me in somewhat a flippant attitude. And she said, oh, he's fine. They sent him home with a couple of stitches. He's home doing fine. He has a headache, maybe a concussion. They said it's nothing too serious. I was there. 
I know what prayer can do. It wasn't me, but I know what prayer can do. I could spend the rest of the day telling you stories and building your faith in what prayer can do. But I came this morning with a word to announce to this congregation. We need to get back to the book of Acts kind of prayer meetings. Not praying, watching a time clock, but praying until things change. Praying until revival comes. Praying until our family is put back together. Praying until the miracle happens. Pray until the prison doors swing open. Pray until heaven touches earth. That sounds good. For some of you, I warned you, you've never heard anything what I'm about to preach and what I'm about to say in the next three minutes. And some of you have never really considered what you were just clapping about. Because while we want to get back to book of Acts prayer, do we really know what a book of Acts prayer meeting may have looked like? In Acts chapter 12, Peter was put in prison. John was just killed. King Agrippa had just taken him and had killed John. Peter is in prison. But Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. Sister Shauna, if you can throw that on the screen really quickly. Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. If you have your Bibles, maybe you just want to turn there. Acts 12 and 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison. But then the next phrase is the part I want you to read it out loud with me. But prayer was made for an hour, for two, for three, without ceasing. Who was doing the praying? The church. Who were they praying for? But prayer. He was in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing. I'll move quickly. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the angel of the Lord came to him. And the angel says, Peter, wake up. Get up. Gird thyself. Follow me. The angel of the Lord led him out. And when they get out of the prison, the angel of the Lord, in verse 10, just departed from him. Just disappeared. Woo! Gone. Peter's a little discombobulated. I know none of you would have been. When an angel shows up in the middle of your situation and tells you, get up and put your clothes on. Chains are laying on the floor. Follow me. Soldiers are standing by the door and the angel says, just walk with me. He just walks through and the soldiers just stand there. Prison escape. Walking through. All the way to the main gate. I'm talking about all the way from the inside of the prison. Gets outside the prison and the angel doesn't even say good day. He just says, whoop, gone. 
Peter's a little discombobulated. The Bible gives a little in-depth information into what was going on. He thought that he had like flipped out. I mean, the man, the man was not even, the Bible says it like this, verse 11, and when Peter came to himself, <laughs> he was confused. He's like, what just happened? And when Peter came to himself, he looks around and says, I was in, now I'm out. Death sentence, set free. And when Peter came to himself, he said, I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent this angel that hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. Verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, after he thought through it a minute, he's like, I better not just stand out here. They may come looking for me. I'm going to go to the least likely place they're going to come looking for me. He takes off to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark. And the Bible says in verse number 12, the last phrase, I just, I'm giving you all the scriptural references because I don't want you to think I'm making one thing that I'm preaching to you up. There is such a biblical thread to what I am preaching this morning. Verse 12, that last phrase says that he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. How long had they been there? The whole time. You want to know what a book of Acts prayer meeting looks like? We got an issue. It's time to pray. Here we go. How long is this going to last? Till God answers. Really? Really, Pastor? You, you want to call? Seriously? You want to call a Monday night prayer meeting and expect an hour out of me? Not if you want a book of Acts kind of prayer meeting. We've got to begin to pray until there is a breakthrough. Pray until something happens. Pray until heaven comes down to earth. So Peter, so Peter shows up to the house where the prayer meeting has happened starts knocking on the door. There's a young lady by the name of Rhoda that is in the house and she comes trying to find out who it is and she recognizes Peter's voice. She got so excited. She was so happy she forgot to open the gate. So she turns around and runs back in the house and says, hey, 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 everybody. Peter's at the gate, and they're like, shut up, woman. You don't have any clue what you're talking about. You're crazy. Don't you know Peter's in jail? Now stop your nonsense. Mm -hmm. they, they, the scripture uses this, they thought that she had gone mad. Uh, Peter's at the gate. Stop. You're interrupting prayer meeting. Let's, let's. Get back to business. Oh, God, deliver Peter. Oh, 
oh God, oh God, set the captive from the prison free. He's knocking at the door. Finally, Peter continued knocking. He didn't even give up. It was so significant. There had to be such a significant time frame involved in Peter standing at the door that it made the scripture. He continued knocking. And when they finally came and opened the door and saw him, they were <gasps> astonished. That's what it says, astonished. Or you can say, astonished. Either way, that's the Greek. Astonished. Greek word. Just kidding. So they opened the door. Peter, the first thing he did, the Bible said he gestures with his hand and tells him, hold your peace. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. And he declared unto them and told them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He told them, they're in, in the prayer meeting praying, and he told them how the Lord brought him out. Some of you were not here a few weeks ago on a Sunday night. This is why you need to be at every service because you don't ever know what God's going to do. I don't see Mackie here this morning. I was hoping that he and Chelsea and little Annabelle would be here. They were here Wednesday night. Mackie came and sat right where my wife is sitting, right next to my wife on the front row just about two weeks ago on a Sunday evening. His baby, Annabelle, who just celebrated her one-year one year birthday, was in Riley Children's Hospital on full life support and they were telling them it is just moment to moment and we do not know, we can't make any promises, we don't know if she's going to make it from one moment until the next. Mackie came on Saturday night, Gentry felt compelled, met with him, they came and prayed till well after midnight. Mackie didn't come to church on Sunday morning. We came, had good church left. Sunday night, Mackie showed up, sat on the front. He was so broken. When we went to our time of prayer, we began to pray for that child. And prayer broke out in the church, and we prayed, and we kept praying. And we went right on past time to move on with service and receive the offering and time for the preacher to preach. Instead, we just kept on praying. And while the church was praying, how many of you were here and know what I'm about to tell you? Look around you in this multitude of witnesses. I, this is no, I, I'm not fluffing anything for you. While we were praying, I got up and walked to this pulpit and my wife starts shaking her hand at me, pointing over to Mackie. And she took his phone and comes walking up here with his phone in hand. He got a text while we were praying that said the baby immediately began to breathe on its own. I know what prayer can do. Prayer that's not against the clock. 
In Exodus 8, Moses prayed and plague ceased. In Numbers 20, Israel prayed and God sent an angel. Daniel prayed and God shut the mouths of angry lions. In Exodus 15, Moses prayed and bitter water became sweet. In Joshua 24, the children of Israel prayed and God brought forth darkness upon the Egyptians. In Exodus 17, Moses prayed and God gave him an answer. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah prayed and fire fell down out of heaven. In Judges 3, the children of Israel prayed and the Lord raised up a deliverer. In Judges 6, the people of God prayed and God sent a prophet. In Numbers 12, Moses prayed and God gave him understanding. In 2 Kings 20, Isaiah the prophet prayed and the sons moves 10 degrees backwards. In 1 Chronicles 5, the son of Reuben and Manasseh prayed and the enemy was delivered into their hands. In 2 Chronicles 13, do I need to go on? Judah prayed and God smote Jeroboam. Jehoshaphat prayed and God changed the minds of the Syrians. Isaiah prayed and the Lord sent an angel to save Jerusalem and the church prayed. Jonah prayed and the fish regurgitated him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed and God walked with them through a fiery furnace. Besides the fact that God, that prayer changes us and prayer changes things, the Bible says that prayer affects heaven and prayer affects earth. I know what prayer can do. David said in my distress, be seated for a minute. David said in my distress, I called on the Lord. I cried to my God. While I'm in it, in my distress, he heard my voice. And then he started declaring what happened. He said the earth shook and trembled. Foundations of the hills moved and were shaken. Smoke came out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth. He bowed down the heavens. And then verse 13 said the Lord also thundered in the heavens. Yea, he sent out arrows and he shot out lightnings and he discomfited the enemy. That's what prayer can do. Your prayer is more than just positive thoughts and words. When you pray a book of Acts kind of prayer, that kind of prayer will move heaven. No wonder David said, who is like unto the Lord who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to even look at the things of heaven and earth. If I could only ignite a flame for prayer in a handful of people that is in this room today, I am telling you, that we will see a turnaround in situations, in the world, in the church. I've been in communication this week with one of our missionaries in Israel, following him on social media, and he told a story. He, my wife asked me yesterday, she said, did you read it? I said, yes, I did. He's an Indiana boy. He's a blind missionary. 
You have to hear his story. They were sending rockets, missiles in. His friend was communicating with him and said, they're coming right where you are. The Iron Dome went into effect and knocked them all down except two. Two of them it missed. They were headed directly into his compound. Chelsea, you know him, right? They're headed directly into his compound. His friend is giving him the play by play. And they were praying. And he said, my friend said, I have no idea what happened. But all of a sudden, one of them took a sharp turn to the right, and the other took a, took a sharp turn to the left. And he said, here I am. One landing over there and one landing over there. I know what prayer can do. There's no telling what would happen if I could persuade somebody today to get in the spirit of prayer and supplications. Things will change. Your life will get better. Miracles will happen. Heaven will be moved for your sake. Lift your hands all over the building and pray right now. In the name of the Lord. Oh, you the ghost. In the name of Jesus. I won't be much longer. I won't be much longer. Be seated. Let me finish. There are two things required. There's only two things I find scripturally. And I, I know we could write a book on it, but there are two things that I see that's just very clear. Two things required for book of Acts kind of outpouring. One is that they were being in one place. That means they were assembled together. Let nobody tell you that the assembling together for prayer is not important. The second thing is they were of one mind. Everybody shout unity. They were assembled together and they were of one mind. Unity. Let me tell you how I know without God coming and speaking in an audible voice, let me tell you how I know when people are praying. Because either they are praying or they're easily offended and quickly stirring issues and running with every petty issue that is hindering the overall great move of God. I know this is uncomfortable for you right now, but I got to go ahead and preach about it because when you are praying, you cut out the petty silliness. When you're praying, you quit being worried about things that don't really matter. When you are in, when you are, prayer brings about unity. And this is why little short prayers don't always do it. Because we pray until we get done with our asking. But we haven't prayed until we have submitted our will to get in unity and linked up with our brothers and our sisters and the church and the leadership. 
when we pray long enough that it's no longer my will. It's no longer what I want. When we pray long enough, we finally, that's why it took a 10-day prayer meeting before a book of Acts outpouring on the day of Pentecost came because we had to get beyond pettiness. Lift your hand all over the building right now. I've been fighting a spirit of pettiness in this church for the last year and a half. Secondly, I've been fighting a spirit of competition. It must go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare unity. I declare the assembling together. I declare every yoke be broken. I declare an outpouring in the name of Jesus. Come on, seek the Lord while you, while you can. Seek Him, seek Him. Let me hurry. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. You see the unity? Everybody, everybody, nobody was praying saying, oh God, pick me. Nobody was saying, God, do it my way. The whole group was praying for one thing, God, do it your way. And when they had prayed, verse 31 of Acts chapter 4 said, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Not the people, the place. The place, everybody say the place. The place was shaken where they assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And a multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. The greatest hindrance to revival in Christian life church is the lack of unity. Watch this. After Jacob had an encounter with God, you know that story in the Old Testament where Jacob has an encounter with God, God changes his name. His name is changed, and his name change was significant because when any time in Scripture where you find the old name was changed and a new name was given to them, it was after an encounter with God. And so the whole deal was it's like I'm no longer the person I was. Now I'm a new person. So like with Jacob, his name meant rascal, supplanter, troublemaker, whatever you want to say. And God changed his name to Israel, which means power with God. So the new man Israel later built his house in a place called Shalem. Hebrew names also have important meanings. Shalem means complete. After spending a lifetime being an incomplete Jacob, after an encounter with God, he finally was able to live in a place that brought completion. But Jacob could have never lived in Shalem, completion, because Jacob was incomplete and was always wanting what his brother had. It wasn't 
until he had an encounter with God and started blessing his brother that he could live in a place of fulfillment and completion. Some of us have been saved and set free, but we can't bear to bless our brother. And the reason you can't bless your brother or your sister is because your life is incomplete and you want what they have. Israel, Jacob, now Israel. Israel is living in a new place. Israel was living with a new name. Israel was living with a new mindset for completeness. And then it was time for Israel to build a new altar. And when he built the altar, Israel built a new altar. Jacob didn't build this altar. Jacob had built altars, but Israel built this altar. And when he built an altar, see, they named altars. And he could have named that altar anything that he wanted to name it. He could have called it the altar of Abraham. He could have called it, which means faithful. He could have built it the altar of Isaac, which means promise. He could have even called it the altar of Jacob, which means his past. But when the new man Israel built an altar, he built an altar. And he called it L-L-O-He Israel, which means the mighty God of Israel. In other words, he's saying, it's not my dad's mighty God. It's not my grandfather's mighty God. It's not even the mighty God of my past. But it's the mighty God of my present and my future. He was no longer satisfied being born into a godly heritage. Israel entered into covenant relationship that could no longer be sustained by his grandfather's faith. Israel entered into a place of God's purpose that required a personal altar and he named it after himself because it was a place he intended to frequent. built the altar and declared the altar of the mighty God of Israel. Not my grandfather's altar. Not my father's altar. It's my altar. I got to close. I know what prayer can do. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer unlocks prison bars. Prayer turns things around. Prayer saves the lost. Prayer brings revival. Prayer sets the captive free. Prayer breaks the yoke of addiction. Prayer is the answer to every problem. Prayer is our only real hope. Prayer is not just a decision. Prayer is the best decision. You don't have to wait 
until you understand everything there is to understand about this word. You don't have to wait until you get through college. You don't have to wait until you're preaching or praise singing or playing an instrument or ushering or mowing a lawn and leading ministries in the church. You can pray and move heaven now. As a matter of fact, my wife could say it much more eloquently than I. But you've all been through kids' prayer and you know. You know what I'm about to tell you. But it is the prayer. You're already past that stage. The children are in their classes. But what this group right here needs to understand is the Bible says that group back right there in the class, the children, their prayer has the power to silence the enemy. If they have the, prayer, the, the power to pray a prayer that silences the enemy, I've got a feeling this group right here has the power in your prayer to birth an apostolic revival that helps move this church into a brand new dimension. But it's not just for the young people and it's not just for the young adults but I got a feeling if some of you that know the power of prayer would start exercising your right to prayer and you would get desperate for, for God and we would start praying without ceasing we would start praying until it happened we would start praying in desperation I have a feeling things would change Lift your hands on Let's respond to the word of the Lord this morning. There's some things that need to be resolved in your spirit today. I know what prayer can do. Somebody ought to just step from where they are right now and find yourself a place to pray. Maybe you want to kneel where you are, sit where you are, come kneel in the front, come stand in the front. But we must respond. There's some victories that need to be won and they can only be won through prayer. Maybe somebody came in this place today that needs healing. I know what prayer can do. <laughs> oh, God. 
minimum. Let's seek the Lord. Keep our distractions to a minimum. Let's just seek the Lord for a few moments. Never burn. 
Fire of my altar never burn out. May the fire of my altar. 
Never burn out. May the fire of my 